Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound it is the unfiltered band that meets another episode of Unfiltered coming at you. Episode number 43. I'm entitling this one Temptation Island, and thank you, Unfiltered Band, for joining. You can always join the Unfiltered Revolution. Join it at Casey Stern if you're listening on Twitter. Get into the uh, Twitter bio and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Like all the videos, comments, questions, come up with lists, whatever you want. Um, I'm doing something a little different today. So normally I try and serve everyone, and... Most of what I'll do will be that way. I'm sure there's going to be you know niche sports you like, and if I'm doing basketball, I'm doing baseball. You don't like, and that's fine. You know, I want to be able to kind of hit as many people as I can. This is a little bit different though because I'm definitely serving myself with this, and I'm also serving a specific group of people. I hopefully I can entertain everyone, but I'm admitting that I'm doing it this way because it's necessary for me to do this Temptation Island episode, and dedicate something to a group I've been a part of almost as long as I've been a part of my own family. Consider it a second family. And that's the New York Islander family. There are a lot of people that resonate with a fan base and they're diehards. I I am that way with a couple of sports teams, clearly. There is no team I root for or have rooted for since I was a kid, including the Mets, that I have the amount of passion that I have for being a New York Islander fan. None. I have been an Islander fan since I can literally remember doing anything. Since I was like five years old. The first games I were at were in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I wish I remembered them more now, considering how much heartbreak I've had to deal with. I love being an Islander fan. I'm proud of being an Islander fan. I think it's the best fan base in sports. The, the dedication and loyalty this fan base has, and that all of you who are listening, if you're Islander fans, have had, no matter how angry you've gotten, no matter what's happened, you got an owner who had $10 in his bank account in John Spano, never left. You had a dragon as your mascot, never left. Watch the team disappoint you year after year, never left. A building whose acoustics were amazing, and it was our home. And no offense to, it's a family program. Normally, it's a family program. It's a 99% family program, but this is necessary. People used to say all the time, it's a shithole. It's my shithole. Got a problem with it? Because I got all these people who are here with me. There's a feeling that's been different about being an Islander fan since I was a kid. My first favorite player in every in any sport, really, that I totally latched onto and and still have never let go because I I have his official jersey and and you know it was ironic that you know Dwight couldn't I was such a as a big Met fan growing up because he wore the same number but Pat Lafontaine in number sixteen, the Easter Epic, all those teams. I mean those terrible teams with Randy Wood and Brad Lauer and Norton and all those guys. I mean just, those teams were terrible. Many of them. You're used to when you're an Islander fan, especially if you're like me and you're a, a Nick fan and a Mets fan. Thank God I don't fit into the category most fans of those teams do and not be a Jet fan too. But 
When you're a fan of those teams, you're used to sucking, you're used to hurting, you're used to not sleeping, you're used to pain, you're used to everything that comes with being an Islander fan. I'm used to it too. And there are times where you find yourself over the years, you're like, you know, I don't want to get irrational just for the sake of it, and I don't like to do that in this business either. I don't. And if I succeed in doing so and reach out enough, I'm hoping that there are a lot of Islander fans listening to this right now at some point or at different points. And I want you to know that I'm not coming to you as somebody who's just trying to be irrationally ridiculous about this team, nor should you feel the same when we say the following. Right now, this sucks. And I've had it. And it was time to open my mouth, not as a broadcaster, but I'm here as a fan. I love hockey. It's it's been my favorite sport to watch since I'm a little little kid. I love it. I love everything about the sport. Every romance I feel in baseball that's romantic in different ways, I feel watching people skate. I love this sport. I love this team. I had fish stick jerseys. I've been on Garden Vision, gotten booed by the whole garden as an Islander fan when I was 15, almost got into a fight with somebody in his 40s. Gotten into a fight defending an Islander fan and other fans. These girls with posters ripped by Ranger fans when I was like 17 years old. I, I bleed, love, and honk the crap out of this team. What happened in, in those back-to-back -back conference final runs was more special, and I said this in another pod. Now, hopefully you'll go back and listen to all the pod episodes if I've gotten Islander fans on board who haven't listened because they think I just do baseball and they don't like baseball, whatever the case is. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we've made new friends. But I said this in another podcast. That Islander relationship with those teams wasn't just about those two teams. It was about COVID, the pandemic, the fears, all the things all of us were going through at different times in different ways and what it meant to me, what those teams meant to me. What it said about all of us as Islander fans that this group of undervalued, most of them, unheralded, most of them, unappreciated, most of them, underrated, most of them, players, that Barry Trotz, mind you, will get back to that, was able to wrangle together in that bubble year and that run and that following year when Everly scores that overtime goal, I thought they were going to win game seven. Ryan Pollock made that save. I thought they were going to win that series. But you know what? I was so proud of that team, and I said this the other day. I cried. I was so... I, I, the only other time I remember crying as an Islander fan, even though they've given us reasons to cry literally since I like birth, it seems, for me. The only other time I cried as an Islander fan, this is saddening, but true. And I loved Entourage. But in that first of the many lasts ever at the Coliseum, and I was at a couple of them, I think this one was what, against the Penguins in the playoffs, when Kevin Connolly was voicing that thing at the beginning before the game and... They have that whole lead up and all the 80s stuff. And you're like, this is the last game at the building. I was crying. That building, more than Chase Stadium, 
and my son's middle name is Shea. More than MSG, where I worked for, and I love the Knicks. Certainly more than Giant Stadium or MetLife. No offense. I mean, plus the traffic alone getting out of the parking lot made me not care. But that building was like my house. The love affair I have with this team is a romance unlike anything I've had in sports and never will again. And it will never change. Anybody who knows me knows. Even the time it made me like twinge of emotional just thinking about it. Anybody who knows me in my life knows. There's a different light about me when I talk about this team. There's a different light about me when I watch this team. I love this team. We dealt with so much crap and had so many times that as a fan of this team, you're excited about things that like no one else would be excited about. Let me give you some examples if diehards are listening. And I'm going to push the hell out of this on Twitter to hope it's that I, to get... Because I really, and it's it's not for me, I mean this, it's for us. I've been doing a show specifically where it's going to alienate 99% of, of, you know, out of what fan base I have, but whatever. Like for this episode, but literally I want every Islander fan, I don't care if they know me or not, to listen to this and, and to comment and be a part of this together, right? Because I want you to know I'm legit one of you. Legit. We have gotten so excited about so many minimal things over the years. I remember when Sean Bates and Michael Pekka and that group had that great road trip for, what, four or five games, came home for Brian Trotje's, I think it was his ceremony, right? And he was talking about how excited he was for the team. They had, they had played well. I think they were 4-0-1 maybe. They played well for like five days, and it was like they won the cup. Is that the Turgeon game? Kasparaitis Yager game, the three overtime Ferraro situations with the Capitals, one of which I described in another podcast. My mother waited in the parking lot for three hours. Sean Bates. And many, many others. Being in Atlanta and not being able to be there during that last run they made for who. I was so emotionally invested because of things I was going through and COVID and everything else that it was really sad for me. And I was going to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, I told everybody I know. I was, like, arranging it. Like, I was going to be there somehow. I, I absolutely was going to go. I probably was going to have to fly in for, like, the day of, and I was going to do it. I've done that for a Springsteen show in Buffalo. I could do it for the Islanders. I was going to do it. And they lost one nothing. But it didn't feel like the loss when they lost in that Game 7 of that other series with that guy with the blankie against a different team. Where I think they had 10 shots on goal the whole game. It didn't feel like that, even after. Somehow still, even though back-to-back conference finals, even after all the misery we'd experienced, all the pain, it felt like the beginning of something. Still, at the beginning. I remember watching all the post-games and hearing everyone around the NHL, like even hearing like Ed Olchick and those guys when they're doing the game, talking about and waxing poetic about what Barry had built and about what we were doing and about who we were and about, but forget about just Barzell, the whole team and all of it. We were on the map and legitimately on that map. And what did we do to make the team better from cup contender to a cup? Zero. Zip, zilch, 
Nada, nil, garbage, nothing, not a damn thing, nothing. Horse and what comes with it, Jack and what goes with it. Nothing. Got a new building, got a long road trip, had a rough season, went back into an off season. We're going to identify the problems with Lou Lamarillo. As I said on Twitter, and I'll say this again and again, and it's not, this is true. Well-respected, unbelievable architect of all these different things and all these great things he's done. Seems like a very kind man. Seems like a good businessman. All that stuff, right? More past his prime than a groupie at a Poison concert if the concert was tonight. I don't mean past his prime them. I mean even today. That same person from 87, 88, today. That's how past the prime we're talking. I don't even know if he's awake. Right now, Somebody sends him this podcast, you may have to explain it to him. Sorry. Sorry. You earn that now, too. Now you earn that, too. Now you got the most passionate, loyal fan base, I think, on this earth. Looking at you, dead set ahead, asking you, so the big thing you decided was the problem and the big move you made of the offseason was to fire Barry Trotz and reverse the best decision you made and the best thing that ever happened, even though the timing was great and the Capitals are idiots. But here's Barry Trotz. Because it wasn't fun enough, it was fun for me. And let me tell you something. If you want to tell me Matt Barzell is a problem and he didn't think it was fun enough, I'd like to tell him to go score goals. Why don't you shoot more? You got all this talent. You know, I used to say as a kid, Alexei Kovalev was like an overrated figure skater. I used to say to Ranger fans I knew. I love Matt Barzell. Love him. Score. Brock Nelson can't have twice the season you have. You're not dictating getting rid of Barry Trotz. And I don't know if necessarily that was the case anyway. But nobody else seemed to be having a problem. Noah Dobson wasn't having any issues. Certainly the goaltending's fine. You want Anthony Beauvillier wasn't consistent, not in the postseason because of Barry Trotz? Really? Is that what you think? Does anyone really think that? To fire Barry Trotz was a heinous and idiotic decision. It was gross. When I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, he stepped down. Maybe it's like, you know, you're passing in the family and all that stuff we know. Are you kidding me? That's nothing to do with who the coach is next. You're one of the greatest coaches of all time. Now, if he was Lou Lamarillo and looked out of his prime, that's fine. How out of his prime did he look when he got you to two conference finals? How out of his prime did he look? When he had a team prepared for a bubble, more prepared, seemingly, you tell me different. They look more prepared than any goddamn team that was out there. You tell me how past his prime he is. Then you get Romanoff, not Natasha the Black Widow, but the defenseman. That's fine. But that's what the Islanders do again. Shop at Novit and Old Navy when everyone else is bloomies. The idea that this Islander team did absolutely jack shit in this offseason is a disgrace. It is a damn disgrace. I don't know if Johnny Goudreau was going to be the savior. I certainly would have liked to see Barzell pass to him, wouldn't you? Now, it's okay if he didn't really want to go home in the first place and wanted to go to Columbus and all that stuff. 
But the point is what people don't get is you can't hang around and wait then. And Lou Lamarillo was in. I mean, good for him getting in on it. Great. Where was your plan B? I'm not the GM. You're the great architect. Where was plan B, C, and D? Oh, you're stealth. He's not stealth. He ain't doing anything. Do you understand the difference? This whole idea, oh, well, Lou's not telling us. No, he's not telling you. He got nothing to tell you. Do you understand? You have anything nice to say? Don't say it. He had nothing to say that's nice about what he's doing. <clears throat> you lose out on Goudreau. Okay, fine. Where, where were you going after that? Where's your pivot move? Improve anywhere. I mean, you can think about, like, all the other free agents, the Klingbergs, like, all these people. Okay, you don't need this. You don't need that. That's fine. And that's when the Kadri thing happened. I'm like, okay, I don't want to pay him seven years. I don't want to pay him that money either. And he's a center. But, okay, maybe, who knows? Like, I'm thinking, now, I don't have Barry Trotz. Would have been nice to have the greatest coach that you could possibly have to help you figure this out. But who knows? Like, I'm starting to th this is me. Think, as a fan, thinking to myself, like, well, if they bring in Kadri, maybe you put Nelson on the wing with Barzell and see what happens. Why not? Look how well Brock has played and how confident he is. Or let Barzell go in the wing with Brock. That's what I would have done if they got Kadri. My own take. I know everyone's obsession with Wallstrom and Bouvillier, and that's great, and I'm obsessed with them too. And this is what we do as Islanders, like, forever, right? So waiting for, like, Scott Sissions to do something and Brett Lindros. Or, honestly, really, this is what we do. But... I would put Brock with Barzell and said, okay, right now let's just go. See what happens. He would have made the team better. Kadri's definitely, look, somewhere the roster's getting better. I didn't want to pay him the money either. But at least it was like, okay. And I don't like the sake of doing something to do it, but I also don't like doing nothing. <clears throat> like you don't care. I don't want to hear Ledecky, and I want to hear these people again. We're back to Charles. Here we go all over again. We want to win. We want to win at the highest level. We're going to do anything. You're not doing anything. Garth Snow's picks, a bunch of kids who play their asses off, and Barry Trotz, that's what got you to those conference finals at goaltending. Wake up. It's not a terrible team. Without that crazy road trip, if they stay healthy enough this coming season, they're going to make the playoffs. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to be the 7 or the 8 seed, and then you're going to hope the goaltending stands on its head and has a run. And, hey, look, they very well may for a round or two. But they very well may is in how teams who want to win the whole damn thing act. Do you understand? It's not just about money. It's about just the way you are. You don't hear anything. You hear Lou get out yesterday or after Goudreau and say, hey, fans, don't worry about it because we're on it. We know this team's got to be better. We're going to be better. It's not enough. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. You know, look, and I'm no Yankee fan or everybody knows me, but the Yankees, even though they lost, they haven't won the World Series. They've had Every time I ever talk to Brian Cashman or you hear him, we're not good enough. Why? They didn't win the World Series. It's not good enough. The goal is not to just get in the playoffs. The, bowl, the goal is not to barely just get in. It's a disgrace right now. You don't trust Lou. You don't trust the coaching because yeah, who knows what yet, right? You don't trust Barzell because it looks like he's more talented than he, is, than he is performance. Facts. Brock was your best player. And by the way, who do you think did that? To Look, I, I like Brock Nelson. Is that his first game? I remember it in the playoffs with the Penguins and all oh, that's great, right? I like the guy. I do. Always did. 
You're going to tell me Barry Trotz isn't the biggest reason Brock Nelson turned into one of the best two-way centers in the league? you damn well he's the biggest reason. He's the biggest reason. Oh, let's just take him. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, this fan base is nuts. A lot of the fans are nuts. Like, the crapping on Josh Bailey stuff has been funny to me for years. It's like, <clears throat> I never looked at Josh Bailey like he had to be the same. He wasn't Tavares. Let me tell you something. Kyle Ocposo, who should have still been there, assuming the health would have been the same, and Josh Bailey and guys like that, these are guys who showed up every day and played their asses off. Yeah, Josh Bailey's inconsistent. You know when he's consistent? In the playoffs. That works for me. Sorry. I got no problem with Josh Bailey. He's one of the most underrated Islanders of all time. Sorry, grow up. Like, honestly. Like, I think as most fans, like, it's tongue-in-cheek now and kind of get it. But it's like, what did you think he was supposed to be? It's the expectations that you had wrong. Like, what do you think he is? How many forwards you know on franchises have been in a top six of a rotation as long as he's been in it in your lineup? Tell me. There aren't that many. Most of them are all-stars. There aren't that many that aren't all-stars. How's he doing it? Magic tricks? You tell me the team's been bad? They've been in the playoffs. By the way, he's been one of the most reliable people in the playoffs. But it's time for Matt Barzell to step up and take all that talent and just show me. Not just showing Pierre Maguire when it counts. It's time for Lou Lamarello to either wake up from his nap, tell us he's quitting, or find a trade tomorrow. Because, look, I don't care if it's Sonny Corleone or Sonny Milano or a Milano cookie. It's not enough. It ain't enough. You got a new beautiful building. You got a, you got the, a rabid fan base that are absolute lunatics, and they deserve better from you. They deserve more from you. We give all we could give. Investing emotionally, financially, anything we can. Time, all the time. For decades. You give this time. I know the players in that room give. We all trust that. I don't think there's any fan listening to this. It's certainly not me, myself, or any on Twitter, even the, the biggest, crankiest fans of this fan base who don't think that Sezikis and Clutterbuck and Matt Martin and Bailey and Pajot from what we already know of him in two years and Brock Dell we could go on forever and Andrews. We know they're gonna give you I'm gonna name every player. They're gonna we know. They're gonna maximize what they can if they're healthy. But that ain't good enough when you wanna win. That's not good enough when you tell us you want to win. It's time to show up. And for Lou Lamarillo, it's time to wake the hell up. Seriously. Or retire. You've had a great career. But your smartest move was Barry Trotz. Your dumbest was firing him. Right now, my trust level of the Islanders is very low. And of the Mets is very high. And I feel like I need to see a therapist this afternoon just saying that out loud. I am proud to be part of this fan base. This is a very self-serving episode. It's very dedicated, one-stop shop. That's it. But I am proud to be a member of the same group all of you are. Proud. Like you have no idea. I love this team. I as recently as a week ago went back and watched playoff games from the last few years while I was just hanging out like on YouTube. I love this team. But I'm not taking this shit anymore. 
and neither should you. Unfiltered. Join the revolution. At Casey Stern. I only eat lunch and get lunch if you follow me and like all the videos. So it's up to you. I mean, I'm hungry. I'd like a turkey sandwich. See you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.